All right. Step two of the four-step system, and maybe it's called section two, but is boots on the ground. And boots on the ground is about finding elk. Boots on the ground doesn't really matter whether you're in a scouting mode or you're showing up the day of the hunt. It does not change for me. Um, there's a couple nuances there. But for the most part, our job in step two is to find elk. Like that's what we need to do. Before we can ever hunt elk, we have to find elk. And that seems so basic, but I think most people, they show up, they set their camp and, you know, they go on like basically miniature hunts and they're just like checking all these e-scouting places that they're like, well, maybe there's elk here and they, they're going on short hunts. And for me, <sighs> boots on the ground is about going fast, hard and covering as much ground as I can, trying to figure out the elk, trying to figure out this unit. And I need to do that as quickly as possible, especially if the hunt's already started. You know, if it's scouting time, I have a little bit more time, but I'm still, I'm covering a ton of ground. I'm trying to find elk, trying to figure out what they're doing, why they're doing it, you know, what part of the unit they're in, how far they're going, all of these things. And that is to me, the hugest difference is all the successful hunters I know have a, an ability to find elk very, very quickly. And they do it very well. And I mean, to the next level, you want to go kill big elk, like you got to be able to find a lot of elk, because essentially, you're just weeding through more elk. <laughs> and, and so <clears throat> when I think about boots on the ground, this is like, I cover ground, I'm utilizing 24 hours if I need to, like, I am, I am just doing everything in my power to track down elk and find as many elk as I can. And a lot of that goes into testing those assumptions from my, you know, my e-scouting and my planning and saying, okay, like here's, here's the three core plans I had. Let's go check those out make sure. But we're going to dive into that and we're going to talk about how to find elk essentially. <clears throat> All right. So step one, finding elk in 24 hours. Now, when I show up to a unit, then and ideally this is during a scout time, but a lot of times I don't have time to go scout a unit. If it's 20 hours away, I may only get to show up a day early before the hunt. And most of the time, I don't even step foot into an area, into one of my hunt plans until I've covered the unit. For me, it's like, I gotta get that 30,000 foot view. I gotta test and say, okay, of all these areas that I thought may hold elk, which ones are going to hold elk? And for the most part, I spend the first 24 hours, I'm going to cover every road in the unit. You know, um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I showed up in New Mexico. And the first thing I did was like drive all these areas to try to figure out, you know, were they what I was looking at on the map? Were they going to hold elk? Am I seeing elk? You know, I'm spending those daylight and evening hours looking for elk, but for the most part, middle of the day, I'm covering ground. I'm trying to figure this unit out. And like any puzzle, you have to just stare at it and work with it long enough, and it'll kind of start to make sense. For me, that's like getting eyes on. I want to see everything. I want to see the access routes. I want to see, you know, trailheads. I want to see how busy they are. I want to see where all the camps are. I want to see all these and just getting eyes on. And for me, it's like <clears throat> even getting eyes on an elk, right? Like I'm going to, I a lot of times I've found elk just by driving around and being like, oh man, there's a herd of elk right there. So just trying to cover as much ground, get that big perspective, figure out which pockets or which areas of the unit, you know, are, okay, is this what I was thinking? Is it what it looked like? Uh, are there elk in the area? All those things. And then next, if I have the time, I'm definitely going to be looking for signs. So a lot of the times 
you know, midday, you're not going to be seeing a lot of elk or you can't use your glassing points. But what you can do is go hike all those drainages that you wanted to check for water holes. Maybe you work into some, some timber patches and say like, okay, you know, is there elk sign in here? Like I'm covering ground as fast as I can to find that big picture and figure out where the elk are in the unit. And I would say most of the time I can find elk within 24 hours of kind of boots on the ground and figuring it out. So step two, once I'm on the ground, I've kind of figured out what part of the unit looks good, uh, figured out what may, may have elk or may have elk sign. Next is when I start to do you know, my probing missions. And a lot of times this will be during season and it can be before, I'm going and, and testing those hunt plans that I had. And basically I'm gonna work those per, like those little short loops. I like to do you know three to five mile loops. And for me, it's like I'm covering that ground and I'm timing it to where I'm at the glassing point I want to be at at dark or at daylight or both. And then from there, you know, maybe middle of the day, I know within this loop, I can go check a creek bottom, check a water hole, check whatever. And I'm looking for sign. I'm looking for anything that'll give me a new data. Like, is there elk in the area or not? And I can do that three to five mile loop. And sometimes I can do it in half a day and, and know for sure, like, okay, there's just not what I thought was in here or yes, there's elk. I need to stay an extra, you know, evening or a morning, see if I can get eyes on this herd. And here's where I think they're going to come out, blah, 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 blah. So I'm, I'm using small loops to try to cover ground and just find the elk. Like the first part of this is finding elk. Most people are just going out and they're trying to hunt everything, right? But they're not, they're just not covering enough ground. If I went and still hunted it, right out of the truck, you know, take, I wouldn't cover enough ground to actually find elk. So for me, it's like, I'd rather, I try not to bump elk, but for the most part, it's not my top priority. My top priority is covering ground and actually finding these elk. And I think too many people tiptoe around in the woods, hoping not to bump elk, but for the most part, they're not covering enough ground. So like on these probing missions, I'm moving fast until I find elk. And then I want to like take a step back and figure out what they're doing. I'm not, even if it's hunting, like even if the season's open, I'm not just going to go in there and say, oh, I found elk. I'm going to go hunt them. No, I'm probably going to step back unless the situation is perfect. I want to see what they're doing, where they're going and try to make a move at a better time, have that patience. So for me, it's like, I'm going fast. I'm finding elk. I'm locating elk. You know, maybe it's, you know, I do a loop and I find an elk in the middle of the night. I may not even stay in there. I may keep going and go look for different elk or come in from a different angle and try to figure out, okay, is that a single elk or is this a whole herd of elk? So me, it's like first 30,000 foot view, work in, set the probing missions and kind of do these short loops to figure out, you know, if I can get into elk or where elk are at. And then I'm checking for a sign along the way. I'm looking for anything. One time, I came across one one track and I was just going to run into a state chunk that was like four miles in and I cut one track and I went by it a little ways and I was like, you know what? I should follow that track, see where he's going and <clears throat> follow that track down and ended up finding a herd of elk down uh, where I wouldn't have looked in it otherwise. And it was just because I cut one track on a, on a probe mission, went in there and I did not even have enough to stay the night. So I came back out, came back in the next morning, and, and it took me a day or two to figure out, okay, where are these elk feeding, where they're going, and uh, but once I did, and was able to shoot a nice bull out of that herd, but all because I cut one track uh, that just happened to cross my trail on a place I wasn't going to go to. So keeping an eye out, where are these, where's the elk sign, where's it going, you know, where, what's the bigger picture here? 
so as we're moving on and we're checking, you know, doing these probing missions, we're we're trying to figure out the bigger picture of what the elk are doing. We're always getting new data, whether it's, you know, sign, whether it's pressure, uh, you know, we're, we're figuring out this area, like we're trying to solve the puzzle, right? So how do we move on that new data? And what are the new data? To me, some of the most important data can be pressure. I don't necessarily think it changes a ton as far as like, I won't pull out of an area if I see a bunch of pressure or a bunch of vehicles or a bunch of camps, but I'm always taking that in as like, okay, if there's a bunch of people hunting in this particular area, what's that going to do to the elk herd? Like where are they going to go or how are they going to respond? Uh, oftentimes I don't, you know, I don't think they're just going to be completely out of there. A lot of times, you know, if there's people in an area, that means there's probably elk there. Like they may know something you don't. So I don't necessarily throw it out, but I will go back to the map and say, okay, there's a ton of people in this area. Like where are the nooks and crannies that maybe these elk are like pushed to or where are they hiding? So, um, keeping track of pressure, uh, hunting pressure, uh, just, you know, camp pressure, all that type of stuff is really important. Another one is like analyzing these pinch points as I find herds and I figure these things out and I'm going back to the map. I'm saying, okay, you know, maybe I find a herd of elk. Where are they bedding? Where are they feeding? And is there an opportunity to kind of, to, to move in between them on those pieces? And a lot of times I'm analyzing the wind as I'm doing this. So I'm like, okay, I found this herd, um, that kind of moving through here. It looks, I, I don't know where they're bedding at, but they're definitely feeding down here. Uh, what's the wind doing? You know, are these good elk? Can I, can I get an opportunity at these elk? And so that's a, that's a really big, uh, resource, or I guess data point of saying, you know, if you can find the perfect pinch point, a lot of times you're like, oh man, that's, that's makes them a very, uh, killable herd, right? I can get in on this herd and I can make it happen. Another one is like food sources, but even more than just food sources, if I can find elk and on, say I'm on one of these loops, I find elk and I'm like, oh man, they're in this, this face, um, this aspect of the hill, they're this type of timber. Here's about the thickness. I think this is what they're feeding on. Uh, and you know, I can rinse and repeat that. So if I can just look at the map, so I got this new data, I found an elk herd and they were right here feeding in the afternoon. I look at that and I say, okay, how do I, how can I repeat this in the area on my map. So then it's like, maybe that night I'm laying in bed and I'm like cruising the maps, looking for something that looks the same, right? I'm using that 3D imagery, that satellite imagery, and I'm trying to find a type of hill that looks the same. Because oftentimes, if you can repeat that somewhere else in the unit, you may find elk. And what that is, is like a lot of times those elk are feeding on a particular uh, food source and at a certain elevation. And if you can just repeat that in the area, you know, like, okay, this, this is a high likelihood. So I may go check that. It may bring up something new. So those are like just little data points that I get as I'm scouting and covering ground and saying, okay, man, they're crushing this type of terrain. Um, where can I find this elsewhere in the unit? All right, let's talk about good elk and bad elk. Uh, I didn't know this existed until, you know, into my career in a ways. And I had this aha moment that I was wasting a lot of time. Uh, you know, when I first started, it was like, I would hunt every single elk that bugled. Uh, and if you bugled, I was going after it. And you know, whatever it was, it was what it was. There was a lot more opportunities in the early days, but I found over the years that, you know, I was putting far too much effort into a herd of elk that had a very, very low likelihood 
of ever, you know, killing an elk out of that herd just because, uh, usually because of the wind or because of like where they went and, and, you know, sometimes like they're just, they just wouldn't come to a certain, or they weren't predictable or some version of that. And so I got to this concept of like analyzing, are these good elk or bad elk? Meaning is like, what's the likelihood of me actually harvesting an elk out of this herd? And if not, then am I wasting my time? And a really good example of bad elk, a lot of times we find elk, it's the first elk and, you know, maybe in the unit and we, we find elk pretty close to camp. So we start hunting them. And, uh, and what you'll find is that, man, like you just never, it never works out. You know, the kid, they're really spooky or the wind's really bad. And, and all these like little variables to, that just are going to make it a low likelihood of success. And I've learned throughout my career that I can just walk away from those elk and find different elk because I could waste my entire season trying to hunt elk that are a very, very low probability. Even though I have elk, I need to walk away from them. So some examples of bad elk, and this is could be like very high-pressured elk. I've been there where I found elk that just were close to everyone and they just kind of, they never left, but they just get bumped and bumped and bumped. And man, every time you got close to them and something, the smallest thing could go wrong and they would, you know, bump, they wouldn't go far, but they just bump. And I was like, you got to walk away from these elk because they're just so spooky that it's going to be really, really tough to get in on those elk. Um, another, another thing, or I guess another a thing that happens where I would walk away from is uh, elk that are just in the wrong wind or the wrong wind vortex. And, and uh, there's like an analogy and I'll use it in the wind series, but you know, in the same way that a trout will lay in a back eddy where the water's swirling, elk have figured, there's a, a certain elk that have figured out that, you know, if they are at the right, at the peak of a, a mountain or whatever, you know, they get that wind swirl and that gives them basically 360 degrees security because, you know, they can see one way and they got the wind swirling all around them. So if anything ever gets close to them, you know, they'll know. And more times than not, I've found elk that have figured that out or maybe just happenstance. They like to bed in this particular area where the wind always swirls. And I wasted a lot of years chasing elk that were just in very swirly wind areas. And I would beat my head against a wall because I could never make it happen. But nowadays, if I get, unless it's just a particular bull that I'm really, really after. Um, I try to avoid those elk because I know I can spend too much time chasing elk that it may never happen. Uh, and, and you can try to, you know, attack them at a different point, maybe closer to where they're feeding or closer to where they're bedding or whatever, you know, the vice versa. But a lot of times, like there's, there's some times where some elk, you're just not going to have a very high likelihood of killing just because where they are and how they use a canyon or something along those lines. And so just think about that, you know, is it worth chasing these elk and spending four days of your hunt trying to kill elk that you're probably never going to get close to? Uh, another one is like, you know, a very timid bull, or um, you can have a lead cow that just wants absolutely nothing to do with people. And I've done this too, is like, I've had herds where I, I hunted these elk and Every time you'd bugle, they'd take off and they'd just run away. Uh, and sometimes it's just not worth spending days hunting those elk. Uh, a scenario I had last year, I had some elk that were using some private and uh, some of the elk were coming off and some weren't. And I wasted probably three or four days waiting for a bull that was just never going to come off. And so, you know, that's a part of the borderland game. And if you hunt Montana, a lot of places are like that to where you may have an elk that just 
isn't going to leave and sometimes it's not worth dealing with. So you just got to go find new elk. And I think when you're early in your hunting career, you're trying to just maximize every single possibility or every opportunity. But the reality is, is like, man, there's some elk that are really easy, not easy. They're much easier than, than trying to force a situation that's just not going to be, um, another one you'll see often is like a noisy terrain. Um, sometimes when it's really dry and you just, you know, these elk are in uh, their uh, timber patch or they're using a timber section that's just so noisy. Uh, I've had that as well as where you just, you can't really get close to them because within a hundred yards, they can hear you coming, you know? And so it's, it's very tough. And so thinking about these things and just saying like, okay, you know, what are my odds of actually killing these elk? Or maybe should I leave these and come back when, you know, maybe after it rains or something along those lines? Uh, there's just things you should think about to leave those elk to go find new elk. And I get that when you're, you're new, you find elk, you just want to hunt those elk. And it can be kind of a distraction because I think you can go find, you know, a pocket of elk that are a little bit better. And for me, it's like, if I find a pocket of elk that are undisturbed, you know, I know that I can slip in on them. Maybe they're just, they've they got a good routine. They're, they're very habitual in their routine. You know, the way they go to the food, the way they come back, you know, they're very predictable. Um, another great one that I see a lot is uh, vocal elk. If you can get a, a herd of elk that, man, once they pipe off, there's two or three bulls screaming all the time, you know, those vocal elk are going to cue you in and give you the opportunity to move in without ever saying anything. Uh, another good option is, is finding glassable elk. You know, if I did perfect world, like, yeah, yeah, I can glass these elk. I know where they're feeding and I can glass them all the way back to their bed. Those are really, really good elk. And that those are going to have a higher success rate than say unpredictable elk or elk that are just in really crappy conditions, like noisy underbrush, noisy pine needles, or, you know, in a swirling wind type situation. So a lot of those are, are where I would, I would prioritize. So not all herds are kind of the same, you know, like the remote elk, when I think about hunting the backcountry, there's a lot of pros and cons, but one of the pros is that a lot of times those elk aren't messed with as much. They're not as spooky. You can get away with a little bit more. And inevitably, that makes them a little bit more killable, right? Like a bull in that herd is going to be easier to harvest. Or I'm going to have a higher odds of harvesting that bull just because of the fact that they haven't been messed with. And that lead cow is not going to spook on me. So it's counterintuitive, but sometimes you got to leave elk to find elk. And I know that's really tough um, because you know, you're like, man, I got this herd of elk. And I think it gets even tougher when you find a, a, a big bull that you're like, oh, this is the one. Um, and if he's the one and you're willing to risk five, seven, 10 days trying to kill this bull, then that's fine. Uh, but it, trust me, I've done that and it's tough. So I think when it, when it comes to being successful, you know, you want to get those at bats and you need enough at bats to kind of become successful, to have that one that, that pans out. So sometimes leaving bad elk for good elk is, is a good idea. All right, let's talk about hunting the herd. And I don't want to get you guys confused or make you think that I'm saying only hunt herd bulls because that's definitely not the case. But what I do want to show you is that once you start hunting herds of elk, you really wrap your head around the bigger picture and you're trying to, f you, you get more opportunities by a lot, by and far than you'll ever get just trying to chase every bugle. And for me, like for years, I was just hunting elk 
And uh, any bull that bugled, I was, I was in, I was after it. And it really didn't matter if it was like an elk passing or a group of satellites. Uh, I never really spent the time to kind of figure out the bigger picture. When I started looking for the biggest bull in an area, the pieces really started coming together for me. And that's when I started passing on more bulls than I'd ever had an opportunity at in my entire life. And when I switched to hunting herd bulls and kind of honing in on that one bull for weeks, that's when I started to under, have to figure out, realistically, have to figure out where this elk is going uh, because I would you know, lose track of an elk and I'd have to go find the herd again. And this taught me a lot about kind of their patterns, like if you know, their loops that they're bigger loops that they were making. And I started to understand the herd. And so one of the best things, best advice I can ever give you is really start hunting herds of elk. I don't care if you're only looking for satellites. The reality is, is that all of those satellite bulls, those raghorns, those small sixes, they're kind of all following those cows anyway, right? They're going after the, the same herd that you're going after. And you'll put yourself in a better situation because at the end of the day, you're going to understand where they're going and what they're doing far more. And you're just going to be in elk more consistently. Uh, when I was young, I would, you know, go to say a timber patch and I'd get into a couple raghorns and then the next day I'd go back and they weren't there. And it was like, Oh, where'd they go? And, you know, but I realized that they were just kind of following the herd. Maybe they weren't right in the herd. They were, they were just working their way around and kind of figuring it, trying to get into the herd. They're just being close. And once I started hunting these herd bulls, that's when I was like, Oh man, I have so many opportunities because these elk would just magically show up, right? And so when you start hunting the herd, you start understanding the bigger picture, what these elk are doing in the area and trying to figure that out. And that to me has been the biggest difference between figuring out why elk do things and not just where they are at that given moment when I find them. And once you start figuring out why they do things, you start figuring out where they go bigger picture. For me, this has like been huge. And so these are adding data points. It's just adding to the system is like start tracking the herd and not necessarily uh, lone bulls that are sitting in some canyon. Now, granted, you know, you may kill a lone bull in a canyon, uh, especially early season, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for the most part, you're trying to figure out what the herd's, where it's going, what it's doing, and why. Uh, you know, what are they feeding on? What are they betting in? All these things. So, uh, man, that's been a huge piece of it. All right, let's uh, do the summary for step two, boots on the ground. Boots on the ground is all about covering ground and finding elk. You know, the, the second step of the puzzle is to, you got to be able to find elk and you got to be able to do it well. And in order to find elk, you need to be covering ground. I don't care if you're hunting out of your truck or you're going remote. You still need to be able to cover ground and you do that by creating a system. Even a couple years ago, we went into the backcountry, we rode in, I don't remember, like 10 miles. And from that 10 miles, okay, we said, here's where we're going to go. We had multiple different loops that we we're going to do off that on foot. And if that didn't produce any elk, we had a, you know, okay, we're going to ride to this camp over here. So we still had a system. It doesn't really matter if you're doing that in your truck or you're doing it uh, on your backpack. Even if you want to cover 20 miles with a backpack, you still need a system for checking an area and basically working this big puzzle into smaller pieces. And you do that by covering ground and getting new data. You're trying to find elk sign, elk, whatever you can to put the pieces together. And you need a lot of elk to, to get a lot of opportunities, right? So we want to be able to find two, three, four, five herds of elk that we have 
the ability to to go hunt right and then w that's the ones we can try to get close to that's step three and so we want to test our assumptions we we need to look at our our e-scouting plan and say okay how accurate were we were we on the mark or were we not you know what do we need to pivot what do we need to change uh, you know, what sign, where are we seeing sign? What are the elk using all these things? And then kind of going back and every night looking at our maps and saying, okay, what has changed? We need to reanalyze all of this. What has changed with this new data points? And that's, that's going to be, give you the ability to find elk no matter where you go. And you just got to create a system for finding those elk. Once you have that, it's a rinse and repeat. You can go find multiple elk. And once you get multiple elk that you can hunt, now we can say, okay, let's start to make a move on these elk, which is step three.